Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. With the middle wall, a separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man, one new species of being, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. My guest, Keenan Bridges, who has been a guest previously on Messianic Vision, uh, probably has a handle on equipping believers in healing uh, better than anyone I know. And uh, Keenan, there were several times throughout your life that key things happened to you to catapult you to where you are today, which is a man anointed to equip others to move in the miraculous. Uh, A little over 10 years ago, you had a breakthrough for you to operate in miracles. Uh, Tell me about that. Well, I was a young believer kind of coming up in church, and, you know, a lot of the times— you don't have mentors in the supernatural. You know, a lot of the, the mentorship that you see in the supernatural now is, is pretty pretty new. Now, some of it has been going on for a while, but, but on the scale you see it now, it's kind of very fresh. So at that time, the, there weren't, in, at least in my circle of influence, weren't people there to really coach me. And the Holy Spirit began to really dig into my heart, and I just became thirsty for more. I wanted to know, Lord, how do you experience the miraculous like the Bible depicts it. I mean, I, I know what people are saying, but I want what the Bible says is available. And I literally heard an audible voice of God, and God said, your hands are for the healing of the nations. He said, I want you to take my healing power to the nations. At this time, I didn't even have a passport. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, was it common for you to hear the audible voice of God? Had this happened much before? It's happened on several occasions, but usually, um, you know, you'll get impressions or things like that. But this was a distinct moment. It was, it was a supernatural thing. It's almost like the whole room becomes silent. Everything else comes, uh, becomes mute. And you hear his voice. It's almost like time stands still. It was one of those experiences. Okay. Then you go to a teaching on healing in which the teacher was uh, uh, teaching from John G. Lake's uh, materials, uh, and something highly unusual happened to you. What happened? So I'm in this teaching uh, with uh, a minister from John G. Lake Ministries, and uh, for those who know about John G. Lake, he's probably one of the foremost healing evangelists in the last uh, 120 years. Yeah, remember the story about him where uh, he had some live uh, disease germs that should have killed him, and he wanted to prove his point to a doctor, and he, he put some of those live germs on his hand, put his hand under a microscope, and, and uh, the doctor he was proving his point to looks at the germs under the microscope, and they're all dead. Yes. Dungey Lake was notorious for 
uh, doing that kind of radical thing. He did a lot of ministry in South Africa, and he uh, would be in the center of plagues and not get sick at all. And he believed, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, sickness can't operate in our mortal bodies. He believed that with all of his heart. And so I'm in this meeting, and they're teaching on healing and stuff, and they're kind of trying to demonstrate healing. And my wife and I are just, are just there. We, hadn't, we, were, we were much younger in ministry at the time. And the, the moderator of the, 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 the minister who was leading, he stops in the middle of the conference, just stops stops and he points at me and says you i'm thinking what did i do wrong this time <laughs> and he says you're going to take god's power to the nations he says your feet are going to the nations and he kneels before me and he prays over my feet in front of everybody there are hundreds of people in the room and they're all just staring at me trying to figure out who i am and he goes on i'm thinking okay that's past and he does it again and this time he says, I can't leave you alone. You're taking, the, you're going to the nations, your hands, your feet. And uh, I just, it just kind of resonated with me. So later on in the meeting, they started praying for the sick and praying over people. And I was walking around the, the sanctuary and people would just grab me. They would pull on my shirt. They would pull on my sleeve, grab my, and they would call out different diseases, fibromyalgia, cancer, diabetes, uh, uh, Crohn's disease. And they, and they said, please, please pray for us. And it was very, very different for me, very weird at the time. That's the best word I can use to describe it. And I began to pray for people, and people began to get healed supernaturally. Now, I saw healing before, but this was different. This was a different, it was almost like it was an impartation of some sort. There were, there were a couple more defining moments in your walk with the Lord in understanding the miraculous. And I think it's great that God has anointed you for, for miracles and for healing. But what is much better is he's also anointed you to transfer it. Anything you have, others can do better. Tell me about the time uh, that you heard the voice of God. And he said, go to your prayer closet, and I will speak with you. Yes. So it was one evening preparing and kind of meditating. And what I try to do, I, sometimes I just I walk around and sit. I really challenge myself because I'm not satisfied with a, a healing or a breakthrough. I want more. I'm always thirsty for more. And the cry of my heart was, God, I, I, I know that there's more. I, I've seen miracles. I've seen tremendous, miraculous displays, but I know there's more. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go to your prayer closet, and there I'm going to commune with you. I'm going to speak to you there. So I said, okay. And I went to my prayer closet, and before I know it, I was almost in a fetal position. And I began to pray and just pray in the spirit. And its I don't know if I was in my body or outside of my body. I really can't tell the difference at this time. But I began to travel through the stratosphere. I, literally, like it's like the speed of light. 
And all of a sudden, I come to this halt. And when I when I come to this halt, I know I'm way above the atmosphere. I'm in another dimension somewhere. And I look across, and I see what I know by the Spirit is the heavenly Jerusalem. It's The clouds are golden underneath it. It's a beautiful city. I mean, it was golden and pearls. You saw all these colors. And I looked at it, and I longed for so much more. And I said, God, I want to see more of it. But it's like my eyes were almost cloudy. I couldn't see it. And, and the more I tried to focus in, the more I couldn't. And the Lord spoke to me. I said, God, why can't I see it? Why can't I see more? And he said, it's the condition of your heart. That was the last thing that you expected, I bet. <laughs> no, it was the very last thing I expected. But I knew, Sid, that God wasn't just talking to me. I had this deep impression in my spirit that that was a message for the body of Messiah. That was a message that he wanted all of us to know. And when I awoke from this experience, I was laying in the fetal position, crying and, and, and praying in tongues. Because the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I believe that that scripture is not just referring to the hereafter, but I believe it's referring to the here and now, because the Bible says, after this manner should we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So God wants to manifest his power and his glory in and through us here and now. Yes, in the life to come, but also here and now. And our ability to experience that is based upon the condition of our heart, how we see him, how we perceive him. And that's why there is a great need in the body of Christ for repentance. Now, I know... Isn't it interesting? The message of the day is when you repented and received Jesus, you are finished with repentance for the rest of your life. The exact opposite of what Jesus told you. It, it is the opposite. But you know what? This repentance is not just about sackcloth, ashes, and, and mourning. This repentance, in its truest form, that we see in Acts chapter 2, when, G, when Peter preached the gospel, he, he told the people, they said they were pricked in the heart, they said, what must we do to be saved? And, and Peter said, repent. Now, that's the Greek word metanoe. Now, metanoe is not just a behavioral modification. It doesn't just mean to perform religiously. But metanoe means a change in mind, a change in mind which will produce a change in action. And when we understand true repentance, not just religious uh, stuff, but when we understand true biblical repentance, to turn from our understanding, from our ways, and turn to him, I believe, Sid, that we will see a greater display of the miraculous. I believe we'll see the power of God in a way we've never seen it before. Well, I'm going to tell you what I believe. When people get our special package, which consists of your brand new book and three CDs, we call it Tools for Your Healing Breakthrough. 
I believe, Kenan, that for the first time, they're going to understand why they haven't been healed. For the first time, they're going to have bold, reckless faith to get anyone healed of anything. So we're asking for a gift of $35. And I'm telling you something. I am going through his new book, 90 Days to Possessing Your Healing. Each day, there's a scripture on healing. There's a teaching and there's an anointed prayer. By the time you finish those 90 days, you will be healed. And the three CDs, things I've never heard before, are put in that teaching. Again, available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. I want you to tell me the story of the woman who was in a car accident and she had most of the bones in her legs and knees and thighs were crushed. Tell me about her. Yeah, this was a very remarkable story. This woman had been in a very, very devastating car accident, almost lost her life. Her daughter almost died in the car accident, which is a whole nother story. And uh, they told her she would never walk again. And if she by chance was able to walk, she would never be able to wear heels, do anything, uh, play any sports, do any physical activity at all. Well, anyway, this woman got a hold of our teaching, and she began to uh, understand more about the promises in God's Word for healing and the provision for divine healing through the cross of the Messiah. And uh, she began to get this, and so she started coming to our meetings. And while she was coming to the meetings, uh, one night we had a a prayer meeting, and literally we're praying, and we're just uh, beginning to release the power of God. And as we were doing that, the fire of God literally came down on this lady, and she just hit the floor. Boom. And when she hit the floor, she began to wail and to scream for about 30 minutes straight. Now, after this, we kind of, you know, we helped her up and we went on about our business. Well, about two days later, while I was at an event, I noticed someone came in the door that was wearing full workout gear. And she walks up to me with sweat falling down her head and uh, with with her workout gear on. And she says, I I said, hey, how you doing? She says, do you know where I just came from? I said, no, ma'am. She says, I just ran nine miles. I said, say that again. She says, I ran nine miles. And I'm looking at her. She says, no, no, you don't understand. I ran nine miles. The girls that ran with her literally pulled over to the side of the road and had to vomit. And this lady is running full force with not a single ounce of pain in her body. Since then, she skates regularly. She wears high heels. What happened to her, Sid, when the fire of God was coming down on her, the Holy Spirit was literally transfusing the metal in her leg to bone, and she was supernaturally healed. You know, that's happening more and more to people, uh, metal that from implants turning to bone. But now I've got to take you back. On yesterday's broadcast, uh, we talked about Jesus question the condition of your heart. I mean, that that has got to be kind of devastating. What did he mean exactly? 
Well, when we think about the condition of our heart, you know, oftentimes we think of uh, our sins that we commit or, you know, I call them the big sins, you know, adultery, fornication, uh, murder, those kind of things. And I was not participating in any of those. But I believe that it goes deeper than that, Sid. I believe when we talk about the condition of our heart, we're talking about the state of our soul in reference to the way we see God, our desire for Him, our longing for Him. And what has happened in the body of Christ is that the hearts of many have waxed cold. We have somehow, through our mind through the circumstances of our lives, we've become distracted, we've become preoccupied, and really we don't know it, but really it's a form of idolatry because what has happened is people have placed their trust and faith in another source. And so the Lord was dealing with me. He was dealing with me about the fact, if you're not seeing my power it's not my fault. That's basically what God was saying to me. It's, it's, you need to search your heart and make sure that there is nothing blocking the flow of my power or my presence or my love in your heart, because our heart is a repository. It's like a bank. And uh, that's what the word heart means, cardia in Greek. It, it's, it's talking about the repository of your thoughts, your emotions, your mindset. That's why Jesus says if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. Because once the heart begins to desire something else, as far as God's concerned, that is already done. So when we, when we look at the heart, the Bible talks about uh, how the hearts of the fathers will be turned back to the children, to the sons. And so I believe that's what the Lord is doing, and that's what he was dealing with, dealing with how we see him, how much we love him. Is he first in our lives? Is he, is he our heart's desire? Do we long for him more than we long for anything else? All right. What if someone says to those questions you just shot out, no, 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 but I want it to change. What is your advice? Again, like we shared previously, the first thing is to be honest with ourselves. I mentioned earlier about Peter and the people that heard the message of the gospel for the first time in Acts chapter 2, and they said, what must we do to be saved? You know, oftentimes when we think of salvation, Sid, we think of people who are not in relationship with God coming into relationship with God, and that is a part of salvation. That's an introductory part of salvation. But the salvific experience is continuous. We are daily experiencing salvation. We are daily experiencing deliverance. And that happens as we repent as we turn from our way, as we turn from what we believe, and we turn to what God says as the truth. The more we do that, the more our heart is open to Him, and the more we will begin to desire Him. You know, let me share this real quick, because the Lord just dropped this in my spirit. Most uh, homeopathic doctors suggest that the average American has never experienced hunger. Because hunger is not something that, you know, in the Western world that we're really familiar with. And here's why. Most people believe that when their stomach growls when they get hungry, that that means it's time to eat. So they say, hey, my stomach's growling. 
That means my body's telling me that it's time to eat. You know what's actually happening, Sid, when you when your stomach growls? What? You're actually detoxifying. Your body's detoxifying itself. Real hunger begins in the throat. And here's my point. I want to just make this quick point. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, why do I say that? Most people in the body of Christ have been so full of toxins, religious toxins, mental toxins, physical toxins, spiritual toxins, that they have never experienced the wonderful, the miraculous hunger for God. And whatever you hunger after is what you're going to be filled with. So when you hunger for his presence, when you hunger for his power, you're going to be filled with his presence. You're going to be filled with his power. So I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is really saying in this hour. I, I, I see that very clearly. I want to take you now to the moment where Jesus, and this happened fairly recently, was at the foot of your bed calling your name. So I'm sleeping one night, and again, like I mentioned, I have been asking God, you know, I want to I wanna know you. I, wanna, I want to encounter you. I was actually, you know, I, I have to be honest. Sometimes I get jealous of people that have all of these experiences where they see Jesus and they're taken to heaven. I said, God, what about me? <laughs> you know, so I'm sitting in my, I'm sleeping in my bed one night and I look up and I, I hear a sound that's awakening me, almost like someone's calling my name. And I look and standing at the foot of my bed is a man dressed in all white. He's almost, it's, it's almost like surreal, but he's in all ro- white. And this is a very real experience. And I know by the spirit that this is the Lord Jesus himself. And he begins to call out to me. He says, Kenan, Kenan. I said, yes, Lord. Now, by the time I was in the middle of deep sleep, so I was a little bit sleepy. And it's like, here I am, and you're not even ready to hear me when I'm calling on you or when, when I'm trying to visit you. And Sid, he did the most amazing thing. He reached into his chest, and he pulled out his heart. Now, this was not a... Um, the best way I can describe it, this was not like a horror movie experience. This was something spiritual. He reaches into his chest and he pulls out his heart and he extends it to me and it begins to beat. And as he pulls out his heart and extends it toward me, I begin to feel what he feels. I begin to, I begin to have the, the desires that he has. It's almost like I was, I was feeling and reading his heart, and it was beating. And I knew by the Holy Ghost what he was trying to say to me. And he says, this is my heart for the nations. And I realized, it that his heart was broken. And the reason why his heart was broken was because millions of believers, and even unbelievers, are being tormented by the devil. They're being afflicted in their bodies. And guess what, Sid? They're blaming Jesus for it. (laughs) The only one that has paid the price to heal them, the devil has them coming and going. Yes, and he is broken because he he says, don't you know the sacrifice? Kenan, don't they know the sacrifice that I've made for them? Don't they know the price that I paid? 
for their healing and restoration. Don't they know what I had to go through so that they could be made whole? You would be red hot for the Messiah if you woke up one, one evening and you see Jesus at the foot of your bed uh, calling your name. Uh, Kenan, tell me what occurred. The, the amazing thing, I'm sitting there and I hear Jesus calling me. Now, I've been praying for these kind of experiences, but I don't think I was prepared for it, Sid. And he's calling my name and he... And I look up and I see a man standing there in white. Now, I know by the Holy Ghost this is the Lord Jesus himself. And he reaches into his chest and he pulls out his heart and he extends it towards me. And I see it beating. It begins to beat. Boom, 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 boom. It's beating. And he says to me, this is my heart for the nations. Now, when he extended his heart to me, Sid, this is almost like there was a connection in the spirit realm, and I knew what was on his heart. I knew what was in his heart, supernaturally. And he, he, he begins to tell me his heart is broken over the condition of his body because many in the body believe that he is responsible for their sickness, and for their oppression. He, he's crying. He's saying, son, tell them. They don't know. I paid a tremendous price for their healing and for their deliverance. If they only knew. And said, I just began to weep because it was such a convicting moment. It was the most miraculous thing I had ever experienced. You know what I find interesting? Uh, because I'm a fairly logical type of thinker. First, the first uh, visitation, if you will, you had was to correct your heart. And then you were able to see God's heart when he was at the foot of your bed. And, well, there are so many people that are doing exactly what Jesus said that's breaking his heart. They're saying, God, I know you heal, but why aren't you healing me? What's wrong with me? What would you say to those people? Well, one of the biggest deceptions in the body of Christ is the belief, not that God can't heal, but that he won't heal, that he will not heal me. It is a belief that has been perpetuated throughout ages. It has been perpetuated across denominations. I have seen people tormented by sickness because of this belief. I've seen people die prematurely because of this belief. And it is an insidious attack from the enemy that must be exposed. And the only way to expose this is by the revelation from God's Word. You know, Sid, people need to understand something. And I want to talk to someone out there listening now. Nothing in your life will change ever until you receive revelation. Revelation changes everything. It is the catalyst for manifestation. Without revelation, there is no manifestation. So many people can know intellectually that God can heal. But until they have revelation that it is his will and his desire unconditionally to heal them, they'll never
never fight for this. So how do you get from intellectual knowledge to revelation? <laughs> how do you make the jump? Well, the Bible says, first of all, in Romans 10, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So first of all, we know it's a faith thing. But secondly, you know, Jesus said, and they shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, that knowing there is not just talking about intellect. Now, we know that. But it's talking about intimacy. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to open our heart to the Holy Spirit through the Word until a person really gets in the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to give them revelation. They're not going to know what's available to them. So the first step is to to release your faith. You have to trust God. And secondly, we have to get in the Word, because the Word is going to reveal to us what has been freely given to us. Yeah, but, but Kenan, that, okay, but what about a Christian that has heard and heard and heard the Word, but they happen to be in an American church where they don't see anything going on, and they intellectually assent to it, but it never happens in their life. How do they get from someone that they're actually in unbelief and don't even realize it? How do they get out of it? Well, first of all, they have to change their environment. The Bible talks about in Romans chapter 12, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that, is an, that word anachinosis is so powerful, yet very simple. You know, when you think about a renovation in a physical home, like your home, the first thing that they have to do many times is tear down old parts of the infrastructure and build new ones. That's what renovation is all about. That's what my renewal is all about. We have to allow God to challenge our paradigm. You know, the first thing that began to happen in my life, Sid, when it comes to healing, is that I had to look at myself, my own situation, and I had to begin to ask God the hard questions. Most people don't do that. Most people say, well, because it's not happening for me, it can't happen. That's like saying, because man has never flown to the moon, it can't happen. Well, duh, it can happen. <laughs> but they have to be willing to make the investment in the Word. They have to be willing to break those barriers in their mind and heart to push through to the next level of experience. So it's going to take audacity. It's going to take you changing your environment. It's going to take you getting around people who are flowing in the things that you know God says are available to you. So we have to make some changes in our lives. Uh, by the way, what a great segue for me to say the best way I know to make changes is to get a hold of your brand new book, 90 Days to Possessing Your Healing. Tell me why that will help someone. Well, the first thing it's going to do is going to challenge your mentality. Almost everything that we experience in our lives is a result of the way we think. So if we want to change our lives, we have to change our mindset and say this cannot be this cannot be underestimated. This is one of the most powerful things. I have experienced in my own life the power of a transformed mind. It Literally, your mind being transformed can be the catalyst for releasing God's supernatural power in your life. And I had to do that. You know, I wasn't, grow, I, I wasn't raised in a church where 
where we saw miracles all the time. I saw them occasionally, but I didn't see them all the time. So I had to develop a new normal. I had to, I had to develop a new standard. And that came from making up in my mindset that God's word is true no matter what. Let God be true and every man alive. You know, I'll quote from John G. Lake, one of the most powerful healing evangelists of our time. He said that when he read this scripture, and I want to read it out to our listeners, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, who went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. John G. Lake said that when he saw that scripture, he knew almost intrinsically that it was the absolute will of God to heal. And when he realized, Sid, that it was the will of God to heal, he said these words, everything in my being began to fight the devil. And that's what has to happen. Everything in our being, every fiber of our being has to fight against the will of the devil in our lives. I, you know, that is so strong and so important. I think most Christians are passive, and although they wouldn't admit it, it's a case sirrah, sirrah. Well, if God does it, fine. If he doesn't, fine. And that's not a militant approach, is it? it not only is it not a militant approach, but you have to understand something about the devil. Satan is a terrorist. He is a hardened criminal. He is a madman, Sid. Jesus called him a thief, a murderer from the beginning. I mean, we're not talking about someone that's coming to sell you Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> we're talking about someone that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy, according to John 10.10. 10. So we cannot deal with him passively. The only thing he will respond to is brute power and force. And that power comes when we have a conviction in our heart that God's word is absolutely true. And that God, what God said in his word about my life, I must receive. I can't live without it. Until you get there, you won't fight. And I'm going to tell you, one of the best ways, and even though Kenan did the book, I think he's going to agree with me. One of the best ways for you to get to that position is this brand new book called 90 Days to Possessing Your Healing, uh, because I'm doing this. And what I do is I read a scripture in the morning, then I read one. I, I, I am, uh, I don't know how you have so much great information there, Kenan, but you have revelation after revelation on that scripture I've just read. So you meditate on that scripture every morning, just one, and you read the revelation, and then you have an anointed prayer to enforce that scripture in your life. The brand new book, 90 Days to Possessing Your Healing, and the three CD set, because most people don't understand that Jesus went about doing good by two things, healing the sick and casting out demons. And there's some sickness that if you don't cast out the demon— you're not going to get healed. And there's some healing that have nothing to do with the demons. So therefore, sometimes Jesus prayed for a healing and sometimes he cast the devil out. You have to know the difference. And this is really the first teaching I've seen that puts this all together. We call the three CD set and the brand new book, 90 Days to Possessing Your Healing, Tools for Your Healing Breakthrough. I want you to get this package, and I want you 
to give the devil hell. It's about time for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. My guest says he always sees miracles when he does three things. Keenan Bridges, what are those three things? The first thing that must be present if you want to consistently see the miraculous, especially those that in ministry, even if you're not in ministry, it doesn't matter wherever you are, is proclaim the kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God is one of the most important and powerful forces in the earth realm. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is the government of God, the rule of God, and the domain of God. So when we proclaim the kingdom and Jesus, Yeshua, as king, it automatically manifests a culture of the miraculous. The second thing you must do is develop an atmosphere or cultivate an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times when I'm ministering to people or I'm in a place where there's a need for healing, for example, I was in a healing school and we were conducting one and there were thousands of people present and I'm preaching and it's like I was hitting a brick wall and the the Holy Spirit began to direct me. I began to shift the focus away from trying to see the healings to to really making room for the Holy Ghost. And he began to give me words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit turned my attention to the strong man in the room. The strong man was unforgiveness. And as I began to address unforgiveness, healings began to break out automatically. So we have to have a culture or an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in our homes, in our churches, in our synagogues, wherever we are. We have to develop a culture of the Holy Spirit. And number three said, you have to be determined. You know, this is not for the faint at heart. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Some translations say the violent press into it. So we have to be violent emissaries, not in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm of the kingdom. You know, Second Corinthians 10 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That, that, that word picture is literally demolishing, to tear down. That is not something that happens if you just say, well, hey, I tried it and it didn't work. I laid hands on that person, they didn't get healed. I prayed for that, that sickness to go, it didn't happen. You have to be determined. You have to not relent until you see breakthrough. Now, what do you mean by cultivate an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. Explain that. What I'm talking about is presence. Remember, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, it said that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered or brooded over the face of the waters. And it said, then God said, let there be light. Now there is a spiritual principle There's something called the law of first mention. When we see something in the scriptures first, it's it's really a precedent throughout the scriptures. And what that precedent is, is that before there can ever be 
miraculous manifestation, there must be the presence of God. We have to learn how to recognize, invite, and invoke God's presence everywhere we go. We do that by becoming sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We have to be intimate with the Holy Spirit. We have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because He's the one that is going to facilitate healing and miracles. So if we want to see them more, we have to create, it's almost like a greenhouse, Sid. It's almost like setting a thermostat to the right temperature so that the atmosphere is conducive for miracles. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, not only does it make sense, while you were speaking, that's what was happening. Uh, the, the whole atmosphere is filled with the presence of the living God, which means that if you proclaim healing right now, Kenan, I believe people are going to be healed. Would you do that? In fact, there's someone listening right now, and they've been having a problem with cataracts. I feel the anointing all over me. Cataracts are literally being supernaturally healed. There's someone that's had a problem with uh, their 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 back, uh, their lower back, and the Holy Spirit is fusing the bones together in the lower back, and the pain is leaving right now by the power of the Lord Jesus. There's another person that has had uh, diabetes, and, and they don't believe that they can ever get healed of that, but there's enough anointing present right now. If you'll just stretch your hands right where you are, the Lord's even changed. He's given you a brand-new pancreas by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what, I see people with metal in their hips and even anywhere in their body, I see it turning to bone. If you would step into that presence of the Holy Spirit, I command the metal to turn to bone in Jesus' name. And arthritis in the fingers, <laughs> it's gone in Jesus' name. Kenan, I am so concerned about Christians that are ignorant to the fact that demons cause a lot of sickness, and therefore you have to get after that demon for the person to have their healing. For instance, what's your experience with cancer? Well, I believe as many, many, many people uh, who have written literature on the subject, like the late Smith Wigglesworth, I believe that cancer is a demonic spirit. Now, let me clarify something, because this is how the devil works. When a person hears that, they think, well, are you saying I'm demonic? No, no, I said cancer is a demon. You are not your cancer. And that's the first thing that has to happen for a person to be healed. They must divorce themselves from their sickness and no longer own that sickness anymore. So I believe that when people understand by the sermon of spirits that what they're dealing with is a demonic spirit, like cancer, I have seen, the Lord showed me by revelation that cancer is the spirit of death. It is a manifestation of the spirit of death. And many people are praying, Lord, heal my cancer, heal my cancer, heal my cancer, instead of saying, Lord, I rebuke this demon spirit that's trying to take my life. Until you understand the nature of what you're dealing with, you can't properly address it. So I believe that cancer is actually a demonic spirit. And, and I believe people are going to be set free from cancer right now as you pray for them, just the way you explained. Father, in the name of Jesus, I curse 
the spirit of cancer. I come against bone marrow cancer. I come against leukemia, Hodgkin's lymphoma, melanoma, brain cancer. I come against uh, cancer of the ovaries, the cervix, colon cancer, and any other form of cancer, Lord. Right now, God, I curse it by the roots, just like Jesus cursed the fig tree. And I command that cancerous cell and the production of cancerous cells to die right now. And I speak life to those healthy cells and command them to come forth, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made them free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, cancer must leave their mortal bodies right now in the name of Yeshua. And I pray that any damage done is totally healed with the healing virtue in the name and the power in the majesty of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah of Israel. Kenan, share with me briefly one testimony of someone where you cast the spirit out, the demon out, and they got healed. Well, there, there are many. <laughs> but, uh, for example, there was a lady who uh, had been having ear infections, chronic ear infections, for years. See, this is an adult. She has children. But I mean debilitating ear infections where she would have to go to the hospital, have fluid in her ear. So one day uh, she came to one of our meetings, and I simply cast out the spirit of infirmity. You remember Jesus prayed for the woman that was bowed over for 18 years. And he said, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. He never prayed for her healing. He loosed the infirmity that had her bound. And so I prayed over this woman, and I, I said, I, I release that infirmity from your body. See, she has never had a single ear infection since then. Hmm. And if you had prayed for just a healing, I don't believe she would have been healed. You know, can I say this? I just feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to say this. Notice when I, I remember when I remember when I shared the vision of the Lord Jesus that I had. One of the things that was so important was love and compassion. You see, at the core, at the core of Jesus's ministry and his his healing of the sick was a heart of compassion. And, and there's someone listening right now, Sid, that has been bound with bitterness, resentment, rejection, and that thing has literally been clogging the flow of God's miraculous healing in their lives. And I just want to release the love of God over you because God wants everyone to know that's listening, that he loves them. In fact, every act of healing that ever will be and ever has been has been a manifestation of God's great love for us. Thank you, Lord. Kenan, is it God's will for everyone to be healed? I mean, everyone. Yes. That's the short answer. <laughs> Comment a little more. <laughs> well, yes, and, and this is why. Remember, the Bible said that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that everlasting life is not just eternal life. It is. Don't get me wrong. It's eternal life. But it's what Jesus referred to in John 10.10, 10, 
He says, I would that they have life and have it more abundantly. The word zoe, that's life overflowing, supernatural life, life to the full, life that overcomes. So God is not just interested in our salvation, but he's also interested in our quality of life. So my, my, my statement would be this, or my question would be this. If God desires for all men to be saved through Yeshua, why wouldn't he desire for all men to be healed through Yeshua? That's the question. Well, that's a fair question. You know what comes to my mind, Kenan? Psalm 103, which most people know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who's forgiven all of my sins. And a real Christian would never doubt that. But keep reading, and healed all of my diseases. Can you get any more specific than that? <laughs> no, you can't. Now, now, let me give you another scripture in the New Testament that even confirms it further. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says that Jesus went into a coast, he departed from a place, and the people brought all their sick before him. They brought multitudes. And the Bible says that he healed them all. Now, all comes from an interesting Greek word, which means all. <laughs> and, when, and when people understand that it was the heart of Jesus to heal all that were sick. Now, people may, I hear, I hear people say this, well, well, you know, Jesus didn't heal everybody. Well, Jesus also didn't leave Judea. So, of course, everybody on the planet Earth was not healed during the ministry of Jesus, but it was his heart. It was his intention to heal anyone who came to him in faith and sincerity. Now, we were talking about deliverance. And sometimes it's a healing, sometimes it's a deliverance. You've been teaching lately about open portals to be demonized, uh, such as these adult uh, bookstores and adult clubs. What, what do you mean by that? Well, this, this is, uh, I can show you in the scripture, but I also want to give you a practical example of something that literally happened to me. So I'm driving down the street one day, and the, the, the road that I take to get home, there there's a string of adult stores. And one day I'm just minding my business, and the Lord draws my attention to a store on the other side of me, and I turn to the left and I see it, and the Lord says, do you see this store? I said, yes, Lord. He said, that store is a demonic portal. I said, what do you mean? He said, that store is a gateway through which Satan and his demons can enter in and bring in chaos, death, murder, all sorts of things. And that's why in many of the very um, problem areas and communities, neighborhoods, you often see two things. You'll see adult clubs and stores, and you'll see uh, liquor stores and things of that nature. There's a, there is a spiritual connection between those stores as gateways and the calamity you see in the community. Well, the same thing is true, because the, because the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 7 that we ought to flee fornication. Now, fornication, the Greek word pornea, is not just talking about sexual uh, intercourse, but it's talking about the literal translation, pictures of prostitutes, is talking about immorality, both with our eyes and with our actions. 
and it was a symbolism of idolatry. Temple prostitutes would engage in sexual acts and fill themselves with demons so that they could venerate the gods. Now, what happens to a believer who is exposed to this kind of demonic activity? Paul poses the question, can you be a partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils? God forbid. Remember, Sid, the role of demonic spirits and the kingdom of darkness is to inflict disease, calamity, oppression, and even death if, if possible. So many times, Sid, people are actually being demonized, and the fruit of that demonization is sickness and oppression, and they don't even know it. Well, what about, uh, forget the adult stores, in every home there's computers, and pornography is is uh, just running rampant now uh, among young people, uh, among uh, Christians, among—I mean, it shouldn't be, uh, but if, if those adult stores and liquor stores are that dangerous, what about in your own home? That's even worse, because your home is where your heart is, that's where your safety is, and many people are opening the gates— to their, to their family, their children, to be oppressed, to be afflicted by the devil through those kinds of portals. And, the, and what you have to do, if you want to see breakthroughs, Sid, you have to begin to collapse those demonic portals. As you collapse those demonic portals by the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the Word of God, you will close the door and you will find that the, the propensity toward affliction prolonged illness, it will begin to dissipate from a person's life. Let me ask you this question, because a lot of people are pondering this. What does someone do that understands intellectually about healing? They've been hearing it for the last 20 years, healing in the atonement, but after a long time, they're just not healed. What do you advise them to do? Well, I would advise them to do what Paul advised all of us to do in Ephesians chapter 6. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, which are loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, your feet side with the preparations of the gospel of peace. And that's talking about the full armor of God. My point, though, is I have experienced this many times. I have gone through this many times. I have loved ones and friends that have experienced this many times. And we have to get to a place, Sid, where we recognize that God's Word is immutable, is unchangeable. And we need to do two things. Number one, we need to identify strong men that may be holding our healing captive. So this could be strong demonic strongholds, it could be generational influences, it could be other demonic forces that are preventing your healing from manifesting. And two, we have to persevere by taking on the shield of faith, because the darts of the enemy that come against the believer come in the form of discouragement, depression, despondency, despair. And these things are designed to cause us to cast away our confidence, and right when we're at the time we're about to strike oil, anointing oil, that is, healing, that's when many people give up. I've seen it so many times. They become cynical. They become bitter. 
They become frustrated right when they're about to receive the manifestation of the healing. So those are the two things I would definitely uh, uh, advise. Number one, identify, is there something preventing my healing from coming forth? Is there something, is there a demonic force? Is there some sort of stronghold? And two, I need to persevere. I have to refuse to give in to my feelings. Our time, unfortunately, is slipping away, but how would you like Keenan to teach you all of the uh, all of the secrets that's taken years for him to learn? Tell me why you wrote the book, your brand new book, 90 Days to Possessing Your Healing. I wrote this book because I am on a mission to see the body of Christ liberated from the oppressive hand of the enemy. You know, the Bible says in John, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And I'm going to do it as Jesus did, said. John 14, 12 says, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. So if Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy, I want to do the same. And that's why I wrote this book, so that people said, can be set free from debilitating sickness, that is keeping them from fulfilling their purpose. God doesn't want you in a hospital bed. He doesn't want you in hospice, because as long as you're there, you can't go out to the nation, which is where he's called us all to be. Well, God wants you to have the tools for your healing breakthrough. That's the package title. It's his brand new book and three CDs, available for a gift of $35. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.